when we have an emotional upset, if we don't deal with that and resolve it, then it builds up inside. Talking about wounds from, from relationship. Women will come to me and they say, I gave and I gave and I gave and I didn't get back. And so the key is, is learning how to not give so much without resenting that you're not getting back. Because the resentment comes from overgiving. To see imperfection and see the goodness in it. See, women actually don't demand, the female part of us doesn't demand perfection. What it does is it balances imperfection with perfection. Welcome to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast, where we meet the world's top experts to explore the secrets of health, mindset, longevity, and so much more. Are you ready to take charge of your existence and biohack your life? This show is for you. Please keep in mind, we're not dispensing medical advice and are not responsible for any outcomes you may experience from implementing the tactics lying herein. Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome back to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Oh my goodness, friends, I am so excited and so honored to be back here with a part two with John Gray. He is such a legend. So the fact that not only has he been on the show once, but the fact that he's coming back for a second time is just so, so surreal. Fun fact, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus was the number one best-selling book of the 1990s. That is quite an accomplishment. I love these type of episodes because they are a little bit different than what I normally cover on the show, diving deep into relationships. The response to the first episode was so amazing, so I really think you guys will enjoy this. There will be two episode giveaways for this episode. One will be in my Facebook group, IF Biohackers, Intermittent Fasting plus Real Foods plus Life. Comment something you learned or something that resonated with you on the pinned post to enter to win something that I love. And then check out my Instagram post, find the Friday announcement post there. And again, comment to enter to win something that I love and something to share about the Facebook group. So I absolutely adore the Facebook group. It is such a beautiful, incredible, loving, enlightening community. It is one of the best things in my life. And we did recently have a little bit of drama with a post in the group. And so I just wanted to express that I am so anti-censorship and so pro-kindness. And I do think those both can exist. Our number one rule in the group is be kind. Honestly, you can say, whatever you want. You can discuss whatever you want. I love constructive criticism. I welcome it with open arms. All I ask is that people do so with a tone of kindness. So studies actually show that when we read text, we tend to already read it with a negative spin. So... When it comes to moderating posts in the group, and this really hasn't been an issue until this past week, if something can err on the side of seeming unkind, I just kindly ask that tones be edited to accommodate that and really support the spirit of the group. So basically the point of this is I stand for freedom and kindness. And it's interesting because I left up a post, which I think a lot of people have interpreted as being unkind, and I left it up to honor all of the beautiful, wonderful discussion in the comments about the post. But I do not support unkindness. And I also don't believe that asking for an adjustment in tone to err on the side of kindness 
would qualify as censorship. Just a little announcement. But yes, please, please join the group IF Biohackers Intermittent Fasting Plus Real Foods Plus Life. The show notes for today's episode will be at melanieavalon.com slash women are from Venus. The first episode show notes, by the way, were at melanieavalon.com slash men are from Mars. If you are enjoying the show, it would mean the absolute world, world, world if you could subscribe to the show on iTunes and write a brief iTunes review. It helps so much more than most people realize. So thank you so much in advance for that. I have a very exciting announcement, friends. I have officially launched a TikTok channel. I've been on Instagram for a while, but it is time for TikTok. And with the channel, I'm going to be posting daily, very high quality, awesome biohacking content tips and tricks, things from my life. And I really want to bring the glam to biohacking because I feel like biohacking can be very male-centric or focused on a certain type of person. And I just want to break that stereotype and bring all the sparkles. So please join me there. My handle is Melanie Avalon Official. Please let me know what you'd like to see from me, what you think of the content. I do feel pretty shy about it. So please join me so that we can be friends and just go on the most epic biohacking adventure. Okay, friends, spirulina update. It is still coming. I know it's been taking a while. It's just because I want to make the most ideal spirulina tablets on the market, ones that are tested for purity and potency and to be free of all pesticides and just the highest quality. So we've got that spirulina source. It tastes awesome. The issue we're experiencing is that in order to make it into tablets, it requires another ingredient. If you're currently taking spirulina tablets and they say they are one ingredient, They are not one ingredient. There is something in there that is helping to keep that structure. So we're trying to figure out which route to go with this. It's really fun because I keep trying different samples. I think I know which one I like the most, but we'll see which one I end up picking. Either way, I really love the taste of our spirulina. It doesn't taste fishy or LGE, and I really experience the benefits. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, you can get my other Avalon X supplements at avalonx.us. Friends, have you jumped on the serapeptase bandwagon yet? That's what I launched with, and to this day, it continues to be my most favorite supplement ever. It's a proteolytic enzyme created by the Japanese silkworm. When you take it in the fasted state, it actually breaks down non-living problematic proteins in your body, so it can help address an array of issues. Like I said, it will clear your sinuses, calm inflammation, It may help reduce cholesterol. Studies have shown it can break down amyloid plaque. It can help alleviate pain and so much more. I take it daily. It is one of the most important supplements in my arsenal. This is the new year. Start it off right. Get some serapeptase. You can get 10% off with the coupon code Melanie Avalon, as well as a 20% off code when you text Avalon X to 877-861-8318. That's Avalon X to 877-861-8318. Those codes will also work with my fantastic partner, MD Logic Health. For that, go to melanieavalon.com slash mdlogic. And of course, all of my supplements I formulated to be the very best on the market. They're tested multiple times for heavy metals and mold. They're free of all common allergens as well as problematic fillers, which goes back to that whole spirulina formulation issue I was talking about. They come in glass bottles to help prevent leaching of plastics into ourselves and the environment. And we even use the minimal amount of stickiness required for the labels to help with our environmental impact. To get these fantastic products, go to avalonx.us and definitely get on my email list so that you don't miss the spirulina launch special. For that, go to avalonx.us slash email list. Another resource for you guys 
If you struggle with food sensitivities like I do, you have got to get my app, Food Sense Guide. It's a comprehensive catalog of over 300 foods for 11 potentially problematic compounds. These include things you may be reacting to, like gluten, lectins, FODMAPs, histamine, oxalates, sulfites, thiols, whether or not something is a nightshade, and so much more. It even includes autoimmune paleo AIP status. You can learn about the compounds, create your own list to share and print, and finally take charge of your food sensitivities. It is a top Apple app, often in the top 10 for the Apple food and drinks charts. And friends, get it now because I'm going to be updating it to a subscription basis soon. So you definitely want to get grandfathered in for life at one super low price. With the subscriptions, by the way, I'm going to be implementing some pretty cool features. So I need to do subscriptions to help support that. So like I said, get it now before we change to subscriptions. You can get it at melanieavalon.com slash foodsenseguide. And one more thing before we jump in. Did you know there are over a thousand compounds found in conventional skincare and makeup in the U.S. that have been banned in Europe due to their toxicity? If you are using conventional skincare and makeup, you are directly putting into your bloodstream toxic compounds, including obesogens, which can literally cause your body to store and gain weight. So if your diet's not working, you might want to think about what's happening with your skincare and makeup, as well as carcinogens linked to cancer. I'm not making this up. And just endocrine disruptors in general, which with our hormones. Thankfully, there's an easy solution to this. There's a company called Beauty Counter, and they were founded on a mission to change this. Every single ingredient is extensively tested to be safe for your skin, so you can truly feel good about what you put on, and their products really work. I am obsessed with their overnight resurfacing peel, their vitamin C serum, they have shampoo and conditioner, skincare lines for every skin type, and incredible makeup. It's so amazing that Tina Fey actually wore all Beauty Counter makeup when she hosted the Golden Globes. So yes, it is high definition camera ready. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Melanie Avalon and use the coupon code cleanforall20 to get 20% off site-wide. You can get the latest updates from me, specials, sales, samples, and so much more on my email list. That's at melanieavalon.com slash cleanbeauty. And you can join me in my Facebook group, Clean Beauty and Safe Skincare with Melanie Avalon. People share product reviews and their experiences, and I do a giveaway every single week in that group as well. And lastly, if you're thinking of making clean beauty and safe skincare a part of your future, like I have, I definitely recommend becoming a Band of Beauty member. It's sort of like the Amazon Prime for clean beauty. You get 10 back in product credit, free shipping on qualifying orders, and a welcome gift that is worth way more than the price of the year-long membership. It is totally completely worth it. And I'll put all this information in the show notes. An important announcement, friends. My EMF blocking products are coming. Make sure you don't miss the launch special. For that, get on my email list at melanieavalon.com slash EMF email list. EMFs are actually classified by the IARC as a group 2B, possibly carcinogenic to humans. These are such a problem. We are exposed to them through our Wi-Fi, our cell phones, our AirPods, and they are linked to so many health issues, including anxiety, migraines, headaches, even fertility issues. This is such a problem. Thankfully, you can address your EMF exposure. I'm going to help with that with my Avalon X EMF blocking product line. So again, get on my email list at melanieavalon.com slash EMF email list to check that out. All right, without further ado, please enjoy this wonderful second conversation with John Gray. 
Hi friends, welcome back to the show. I am so excited about the conversation that I am about to have. It is with a repeat guest. So as you guys know, only the best of the best of the best are repeat guests on this show. So for you guys who missed the first episode, I had the fabulous, fantastic John Gray, a man who honestly needs no introduction, but I will give him an introduction anyways. He's the author of the most well-known and trusted relationship book of all time, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. Not just that book, he's written over 20 books and he's been, I mean, he's literally everywhere. Time, Forbes, USA Today, Good Morning America, The Dr. Oz Show. I mean, this man is a legend. So it was so amazing to have him on the show a few months ago. It was a foundational episode, so listeners, listen to that episode first because John called it at the end the checkerboard episode. We kind of like set the stage for everything, but we didn't get to all the topics, and I wanted to ask some really random questions. So the purpose of today's show is to just go on all those tangents and follow-up questions. So I will put a link in the show notes to our first interview, and that will set the stage for today. So John, thank you so, so much for coming back and being here. Happy to be here. All right. So to start things off, so last night I re-listened to our first interview to refresh my memory on what we talked about. One of the big lingering questions I had, it was something that you had mentioned and I had wanted to ask you about at the moment, but we didn't get to it. And it actually ties into a larger topic, which is, so this is a a two-part question. So we talked about this before, but I am a very like independent woman, not in a relationship, haven't been in a relationship. I don't feel like I'm lacking anything at the moment with that, but you had made a comment that for a woman not in a relationship, one of the things she would not be able to achieve in that state was becoming multi-orgasmic. So two questions. Why is that? (laughs) And then two, I'm wondering also as like the independent woman not in a relationship, you had spoken about how women, in order to transition from the testosterone you time to the progesterone me time that you need the oxytocin we time. So I'm wondering if the woman not in a relationship is able to get that middle step through other means, you know, if it's like sexual masturbation or non-sexual, like a pet. Yeah. So it's a two-part question, but it, it all revolves around the independent woman and I guess her, the role of sex and what she needs there. Okay. Well, that's wonderful. I love talking about these topics. First one will be about the multi-orgasmic woman. You, you do have to have a man who's capable of making love that be multi-orgasmic in most cases. And there is another situation about many orgasms that are not necessarily multi-orgasmic. And that is where you use a vibrator and it stimulates the clitoris which can create, we might call a climax. And Freud talked about that as an immature orgasm. And everybody said, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's not a woman or whatever. But (laughs) the women I've been with (laughs) tell me there's a big difference. But you you can argue the point there's no difference because that's all you know. You know, I remember when I was a young guy and I had a guru in my 20s and I said to him, you know, he's the best, best teacher in the world. You know, (laughs) he's the greatest. And it was an Indian guru, and it was an Indian man. And he says, how do you know? Do you know other Indian gurus? How many do you know? India is full of gurus like that. 
<laughs> so it's just a fun way to look at. Yeah. Oh, I, I have orgasms, but do you really, have you seen all kinds? Do you know all kinds? There's other options available. So there's the idea of clitoral stimulation. And what clitoral stimulation does is when a woman feels uh, safe and, and, and a, a bit open, you stimulate the clitoris because that one creates more desire. But then it's the G-spot, it's penetration of the G-spot that allows her estrogen levels to go higher and higher and higher and become multi-orgasmic. But there has to be some, generally speaking, some testosterone as well. But when you're independent, and, and I'll prove that by, you know, people, how, do you, how can you say all this stuff? Well, I read a lot, and I look at a lot of study, and I have a lot of sex. So you learn these things. And, and, and I'm a counselor for 50 years, so I understand people's challenges in their bedroom. So having said that, there's a, a simple way of looking at something which was called hysteria in Greek days. These were basically depressed, anxious women, and they were only the high class. The working class didn't experience this. Then you have, in America even, in 1900, hysteria was still a condition that they would talk about for women, and it was canceled in 1950. But the solution in 1900 for hysteria, which has always been around in England as well, the upper class. They, basically, the women experience anxiety, they faint, they fall apart. There's a whole history of that. They're one quarter of people, generally the highest part of society for women. And that was due to too much estrogen. Okay, now I'm always telling we need to bump up women's estrogen levels. It's just because women's estrogen levels in this day and age tend to be very low because they tend to be more on their male side making the, the complementary hormone testosterone. So the remedy for this anxiety for women, anxiety produced from too much estrogen, was the paddle machine. It was a vibrator to stimulate women's clitoris. So, and not personal, there wasn't any love, you know, it was just to stimulate the clitoris, generate the testosterone to start balancing her ester high estrogen levels and she would have a climax and she would feel better for several days and then she'd have to go back to her testosterone <laughs> stimulation. So that's a different world. We know the traditional world sort of suppressed women from expressing or held back women from expressing their independent testosterone producing side. Whereas at the same time, it, it prevented men from going to their happy side that, you know, the, the loving side, the enjoyment side, you know, men were expected to suck it up and do the difficult things and don't complain. And that was manliness. And it still is manliness. And there's a question about it. It's just that today we have the opportunity to balance the masculine with the feminine. So if you're a woman and you're with a more feminized man, it will be hard to be multi-orgasmic as well. Most women tell me after a while, they lose interest in a, in a more feminized man very quickly. They are often attracted to them because opposites do attract. And if she's more on her male side, she tends to want to connect to a man who's on his female side in the beginning. But then as they start becoming closer and closer, she finds out that he's so feminine, she has she's stuck on her male side taking care of him. He's needy. <laughs> she wants to talk a lot. She has to listen. So she finds herself feeling overwhelmed because she's resisting going to her female side because she's, in a sense, the man in the relationship. It's much easier to go deeper into your feminine. And this is kind of like where we started out, which is, What's good about heterosexual relationships, if you're heterosexual, is that as a woman, you have a chance to let go of your masculine temporarily and allow yourself to go to your 
part of you, which is feminine. And one of the qualities of that femininity is, and why I say the qualities of femininity is common sense, but it's also estrogen stimulating, is the emotional side, to feel emotional, to be able to surrender, to open your heart, to be yielding, to allow someone to guide you, to support you. And, and certainly, you know, I have lots of people that guide me and support me in terms of I read books, I take classes, I listen to people, and I allow them to influence me. So that's what vulnerability is. It's allowing somebody to influence you, to have effects on you, and that is estrogen stimulating. And this is where when women go to their male side, it's, it, there's an automatic natural resistance to coming back to that feminine side. It's often judged as weakness. And, and here's a paradoxical thing here is that because women judge themselves, their feminine side as weakness or their emotions as irrational, as overreactive, and they are. Uh, all, <laughs> all emotions, if they're negative, tend to be overreactions. And again, we can go back to Freud for this, you know, the father of psychology, which was a lot of his ideas are outdated. But the basics of it that made it, a, you know, very, very powerful is the recognition that when we have an emotional upset, if we don't deal with that and resolve it, then it builds up inside. And so, you know, one upset of 10% upset, say, plus another one of 10%, plus another one of 10%, plus another one of 10%. Then if you're married and you're having sex with your partner, it all, all that stuff gets put on him. So he left his, you know, shoes on the, in the living room and she has a hundred degree upset to that rather than just a 10 degree upset. Now, that ability to get over to that overreactive self is actually amplified when you're in a relationship with a man, because in a relationship with a man, when you're having sex with somebody, you're depending on them to provide stimulation for you. You're, you're yielding, you're opening, you're receptive. And not only that, but it allows you to grow tremendously if you can use it to grow. Some people just argue and fight and end up moving away and... and and they lose their attraction very quickly. But what see, what happens when you have sex is that you're becoming naked with somebody. And ideally, you're naked mentally and, and emotionally, and then you get physically naked. I can see for many women, sex is a huge turnoff because men don't create a safety, nor does she take the risk to explore her mind completely open, her emotions completely open. And how do you do that successfully without turning off a man? It's just learning how to do that, where you be completely authentic mentally and emotionally. Then when you have sex, you're you're naked physically, and now you're back to being a child. You know, <laughs> so when people call each other baby, and and particularly within in the beginning, they get all snoopy. <laughs> you know, I miss you, I love you. Do you love me? I need you. This brings you back to you know your pure soul. You know, children come in, they have a, a pure soul. They're just filled with love and happiness and joy. There's no greater feeling on all that. And, and that happens by feeling that's the benefit on a certain level is you can access such great high joy. You know, you see women when they're getting married, for example, they have all these high hopes. You know, there's just such a great joy that they feel. Now, they're often disappointed because they don't know how to sustain those feelings. That's the relationship skills that I teach. And because of the question you asked about balancing hormones, we can get to that. We can talk about that. So back to the multi-orgasmic woman. The multi-orgasmic woman is a woman who is not just stimulated by her clitoris to have an orgasm. What I see happening a lot with, with gay couples, and maybe I'm inaccurate here because I'm not a gay person, but what I seem to know from talking to them is that they can have 
many, many orgasms, but they're primarily clitoral and they can use their fingers for G-spot as well. And, and there's a certain depth that they can get to and maybe they can go all the way. I don't know. That's not my expertise. But I do know that when you feel you can open your heart to someone and let them influence you, that is your female energy. And let yourself feel the desire, the hope, the intention to open up and then to feel need. You know, a lot of women today, they, it's really challenging for them because they can't feel need. Your heart opens when you feel I can trust someone to depend on them to get what I need, as opposed to I'll do it for myself. So it's in that relationship and the relatedness and the safety that you can basically feel I need you. I need this. I need what I'm getting from you. And this is a big jump because historically, women primarily needed men for providers, protection and providers. And if we put it into the stage of history where we have money, men would go out and earn the money to support the family. They would provide protection because it was a dangerous world. You know, you didn't have police around. <laughs> you just had your tribe. If you go back many hundreds of years in China, for example, where I teach a lot, I was so surprised to hear that we want, they wanted lots of children. This is before the one child rules. They wanted lots of children because those children would grow up to become their army. Oh, wow. Really? Yes. I mean, just imagine, you know, kind of like what we could be imagining now if, they, if we had no police and you see, you see what's happening in the cities. People need to have that, that control. It needs to be there. And so a lot of people are moving out of New York and moving out of San Francisco, moving out of Seattle. When you see all this craziness where the police are really, there's a, not enough police and the police are saying, why, why bother? Why endanger myself when they don't prosecute these people and put them in jail? You see how demoralizing that is. So that's, that's kind of what's going on. So that's the male side of this whole thing. A man says, because we're talking about men and women here. A man is willing to give his life as long as he will be supported and appreciated. See, that's masculinity. I will do the dirty, difficult, dangerous things. I'll do things that I don't even like doing, I don't want to do. But if you need it, I'll rise to the occasion and do it without resentment. And this is a glorious thing about men that women just don't understand because women don't rise to the occasion without resenting. And <laughs> Maybe for their children, they would, because they don't expect anything from their children. But it's a very common thing when I'm counseling women for 50 years is that they'll be unhappy and, and they have a right to be unhappy because, but what they'll say, just to understand how they created their unhappiness is they'll say, you know, I've given so much. I've tried so hard. I did this for him. I do this for him. And, and he doesn't do it back. He doesn't give back. And the, the sad truth is that men don't give back unless you ask. And when you ask, if you ask without resentment, without demand, they, they'll rise up and do all kinds of things. But they have to be trained, just as women have to be trained to understand what is this new need that women have? Because right now they don't need men. It'd be like, it'd be the police, you know, hey, why should I even bother if, if, if it's not going to have an effect? If I'm going to put somebody in jail and they just let them out again and they don't prosecute them, why even bother? So men are designed at primary testosterone oriented. They regulate stress to experience well-being. So there's an attitude of which women have that attitude too. It's just not nearly as strong and as big as it is in a man, which is I'll do what it takes. I'll sacrifice without resentments as long as somebody appreciates it, as long as it makes a difference. And, and what makes a difference in life 
is a woman's love. Mother's love, you'll see most of the violent criminals, all, all of the violent criminals don't have mother's love. And, and there is a kind of mother's love that's sick, which is the mother depends on the child to make her happy, as opposed to the mother is happy taking care of the child. That's the selflessness. That's the unconditional love I give to you without expecting anything in return. But generally, a lot of times, not always, but you know, mothers who don't have husbands who know how to love them and they don't know how to love the man, they end up having these divorces. They're single women. And, and that's not your case because we're not talking about wounds from, from relationships. I'm not applying this. I'm just being general here so people understand this. It's really a big difference is that women will come to me and they say, they always say, I gave and I gave and I gave and I didn't get back. And, and you rarely hear that from men because if men don't get back, they stop giving. <laughs> that makes sense. You know, you keep investing in something and it doesn't pay you back. You stop. Okay. And so the key is, is learning how to not give so much without resenting that you're not getting back because the resentment comes from overgiving. There's no question about that. You can't feel resentment unless that's what resentment is, is I gave more than you and you didn't give back. I've been cheated. <laughs> and, but you, you know, fool me once. Okay. It's my, it's your fault, but fool me twice. It's my fault. You know, this is where you have to take responsibility for giving what a man doesn't need, giving a man what he does need. And women don't know that is actually will inspire him to give more to you. And that's why we have to understand that men and women are different today. The civilization has changed. It used to be that men had a job. Men are jobless. You know, we keep seeing the jobless problems. Well, basically, the job that men always had was to make money in my generation, a few before, to make money to provide for your family. And if you did that, if you could do that, you had a successful relationship. That was... It, and also you can have a job but not be paid well. That's also we've been cheated by society. Then you'll come home resenting and feeling inadequate. And then your wife will not get what she needs. And there'll be lots of problems there. So always there's been problems between men and women, particularly when a man is out of work or he doesn't have a job that pays him well. But today, and why that doesn't work is then he doesn't have what he, what he, what he, he doesn't have anything to give to his partner to support her. That's what makes men happy is to feel successful and providing for her needs. But look at the dilemma for men, which is, well, what do I need him for? Women, many women sort of nix their fingers and say, I don't need anybody. I, I, could, I would like it. And that's nice. You can have lots of friends with men, like hanging out with them. But the deep need is when you have sex, you get in touch with this vulnerable part of us, a childlike part of us that actually needs attention, affection, warmth, love, compliments, guidance, support, that's on, a, on our female side. And on our male side needs opportunities to be successful. So part of the dance between men and women is for women to learn to love men almost unconditionally, but learning how to ask to get more. But before you can ask to get more, you have to learn how to ask, but then you also have to know what's most important to me and feel that it's important. For example, Food tastes much better when I'm hungry. I really feel my need for food. Boy, it tastes really good. Go for two days without food and then eat. It will be whatever you eat will be heavenly. That's because you're you're missing it. You need it, and you're aware of what you need. So for women, it's to be aware of what you need. So once you start having multiple orgasms, since we're on that topic, you'll recognize this is what I need. This will get you out of your head. This will bring you back to your female side. Fantastic. Clitoral stimulation alone 
doesn't necessarily do that. And if you're heterosexual, a man allowing a man to do that for you starts to balance the hormones, but then can take you to a much higher level through, you know, extended penetration, G spot, C spot, E spot. There's a lot of spots in the in the vagina that start to open up and become arousing and become exciting. Just like we know the, the clitoris after you've been aroused enough it will start to rise up. It becomes engorged. Then the G spot will start to get engorged. And then there's a point beyond that, that scientists talk about the E spot. And then there's the C spot. C spot is when the cervix comes down to the, to dance with the tip of the penis. And then there's also the clamping that can happen after she has her G spot orgasm. There's a clamping where her whole vagina is stimulated and then penetration more will go to the E spot than the C spot. So there's a lot of things that can happen. This is like a, a new new terrain. You know, a long time ago, we we traveled across the ocean to America. So exciting, a new world, an integrated world where people could be free. What a great, exciting thing this journey is. Well, once we start rising above to be having women be both on their male side and their female side, it opens the door for this multi-orgasmic experience. And not just that, it opens the door to sustained attraction and joy and happiness in your life. Now, my parents, for example, didn't have that, but they had contentment. They had fulfillment because they lived at a different time where women were not so much on their male side unless they had to be, and that was a source of stress. You know, like you're a woman who's wants to be in a relationship and can't be in a relationship. And you have to do it all yourself. And it's hard to fight against a society that doesn't allow women to do it themselves. So we've made great progress for women to feel free to go to their male side, for men to go to their female side. So we have those two things, but then it becomes addictive because it's too far out of balance. It's overreach. So the whole key here, if you have access to go to your male side as a woman, you have to now work at learning how to go to a deeper level of your female side. And a deeper level of your female side means somebody's holding you while you go to that place. There's somebody you're yielding against, someone you're interacting with to go to this place. And what that would look like is if you've ever done therapy, you have a therapist and they ask you, you know, what's going on inside and what else is going on inside and why do you think that's happening? And now what's deeper inside? What is it you wish? What is you want? Can you imagine having what you want? How would that feel? You know, these are the kinds of questions good therapists will ask called processing to go deep into your feelings. And I do this every day for 50 years. Women come in and they're stressed out and <laughs> I process them in 15 minutes and they go, wow, I suddenly feel better. You know, my anxiety is gone. My depression is gone. You know, my rigidity is gone. My resentment is gone. It has gone for a few days and then you have to find it again because this is all a new, new place to go to, to learn how to open the channels in your brain, the circuits in your brain to see the good in life rather than focus on the bad in life. And all it takes is to dwell on the negative and those circuits become stronger and stronger. They become your pathways to go to. If you're like stressed, if you talk a lot about negativity and, and, and make choices based upon resentment, for example, make choices based upon negativity, behave, let the negativity in your heart control your behavior. If that controls your behavior, those channels get stronger and stronger. And this is what happens to women who are divorced, for example, is they feel, they feel hurt. And the reason they feel hurt is they don't understand how they were equally responsible for the problems in their relationship. You see, taking responsibility frees us 
to move on. But as soon as you you have wounds and you don't know how to take responsibility for one healing them, so then and then get the knowledge to see how you contributed to that, then you're always feeling like a victim. Well, one of my strategies with my clients is to help them understand their victims their victim mentality. And, you know, see, it's unfortunate. My partner, he doesn't like my parents. We can never have a fun time. And then I help point out to her, well, look at you. Are you liking his parents? And she says, oh, I'm always so good to them. I'm so good. I don't get anything back. I said, oh, so you resent his parents. Well, yes, but I still behave like I don't. I said, it doesn't matter. Underneath that resentment is I hate them and I hate him. And, and he's feeling the same things towards you. So when you see that both sides are doing the same thing, it's like a, an enlightened version of revenge. <laughs> you know, revenge is you hurt me, I want you to hurt. It's now the score is settled. But in a relationship, when you have this wisdom that men are from Mars gives people and then beyond Mars and Venus gives people stuff they never even thought about. You know, that last session was so great because we talked about things that women don't even think about because it's so easy always to see how we have been negatively affected it's hard to know, if you don't understand men, how you negatively affect them. So when you see there's like a, an equality and inclusiveness, <laughs> we're the same. And in equity, we should have the same. I'm just laughing at those words. <laughs> I mean, basically, most people don't know what equity means the way they use it. What it means is that everybody gets paid the same. It's communism. <laughs> That's what equity means. It, it means that... You know, there should be equal, everybody should have equal opportunity as opposed to being judged on the character and your efficiency and your capabilities. You, you, we're all different and there will always be richer people and poorer people. And right now there's a huge injustice. There's no doubt about that. But you don't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, you, <laughs> you, you, you create solutions, but you don't throw away the reality that people are all different. And we have, again, the differences between people and what they need to achieve their goals. You know, I have a, a people, a staff of people that take care of me. You know, uh, I have a person that cleans my house. I have uh, a person that does my yard work. I have a person that schedules my appointments. And why do I get to have all of that? Because I have more money. But why do I have more money? And how do I keep keeping all those people supporting me? Is because I, with that support, I can do my job. So my job is to do this. Their job is to do that. So and everybody has their own needs. I need to make more money because I have to hire more people so I can do what I'm doing. It's just that we need to have more heartfeltness in our heart to be more fair because there's aspects of, of our legal system that make everything very, very unfair. I'll give an example of that, which is when I'm trying to do a business deal, you have to make these contracts and everything. I go to my lawyer, a high paid San Francisco lawyer, and and I say, look, I want to drop this contract with this person, but I need your help to see what is fair. I want, I want to have a win-win situation. I mean, what's done and what, how can we be, be better? And my lawyer says, I can't give you any advice on how to help that other person. <laughs> my job is only to make sure I can get you the most. Now, why do they? That's their training. They, they're not allowed to think of what would be fair to the other person. Because now where does that come from? Our legal system that says, if I did a deal and he was thinking about a win-win situation, I could then come back and say, hey, you, you cheated me. I could have gotten more and you didn't give me more. So it's all, it's all so crazy. And we, we have this craziness because our hearts are closing as we progress. We're all going in the wrong direction. And we just have to recognize it and know that our suffering in our life, what we're missing out on in our life. And I'm not, you know, I'm talking about the broad case. You have to realize that, you know, in the last year, 
during this lockdown, depression, anxiety gone up 20, 30%, you know, suicides gone up 20, 30%. This is like massive disaster happening. So it, it, this is where we overreact. You have government overreach, just the same thing in our relationships, you know, control overreach, where women get lost in controlling men with their negativity. See, women go, I'm not controlling, I'm just expressing how I feel, but the man will feel controlled. And of course, she's doing that to get what she wants. I'm going to change you to give me more. Hi, friends. Do you want to come hang out with me and Dave Asprey and so many other guests I've had on the show? You simply must come to the 10th annual biohacking conference, May 30th through June 1st in Dallas, Texas. And of course, I have a massive discount code for you guys. I went last year to the one in Orlando and it was one of the most fun times of my entire life. I met and got to hang out with so many guests that I've had on the show. I met so many of you guys. And of course, there's lots of Danger Coffee and Dave Asprey approved meals and dry farm wines. And that's just the social aspect. The conference itself is mind blowing. They have this incredible expo where they have all the biohacking supplements, all the biohacking things. You can learn about them, try samples meet the creators and founders. If you haven't tried a lot of biohacking things, it's a great chance to actually try them out in person. Things like brain tap, infrared sauna, hyperbaric oxygen chambers, and so much more. There are so many incredible speakers as well. You can hear talks from people I've had on the show like Paul Saladino, Dr. Daniel Amen, Dr. Sarah Gottfried, Dr. Mercola, Dr. Annika Becca, and that is just a few of them. I seriously had the time of my life last year, and I would love to hang out with you guys. And you can get 35% off tickets. Just go to melanieavalon.com slash biohackingconference and use the coupon code BCMelanie to get 35% off your tickets. That's melanieavalon.com slash biohackingconference with the code BCMelanie to get 35% off your tickets. This code can be used for general admission or for VIP access. Seating is limited. They do sell out. They sold out last year. So get your ticket now. And if you come, definitely let me know because I want to meet you. So hopefully see you guys in Dallas. MelanieAvalon.com slash biohacking conference with coupon code BCMelanie. Get your tickets now. I'll see you guys there. But when you use negativity to get more, you always get less. You will get less. And for men, what we do is we, we use our negativity to control, to dominate. That's the whole thing about men throughout, throughout history. Primitive men use anger and intimidation and demand or withholding in order to teach you, you're bad, you should, listen, you should give me more. All these mechanisms are very programmed into people. They're programmed there. This is the past. But we can upgrade it now that women can be both independent, so you're not so needy, what allows you to go deeper into the vulnerable part of you, which is needy. <laughs> see, so, but you see, you can feel like, you know, I've now proven to myself that if I open my heart and depend on someone, that if they betray me, if they leave me, I still have the ability to take care of myself. Isn't that beautiful? See, it's being able to be both, that's interdependent. That means I have an independence and I have a dependence. And that's learning to balance. So, in a relationship, it's very hard to experience this deepening of your femininity without being in a relationship. However, you can by going to a therapist, in a sense, it's a pretend relationship where somebody gives you unconditional love, but you have to realize it's just pretend. It's not the real thing. You're paying that person, but they are training you and helping you when you can't get that help elsewhere. 
through a relationship. And so, you know, after a while, my, my clients all want to stay with me forever. And I go, no, 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 this is, you have to learn to do this for yourself. I want to, I have them learn. Eventually they process, learn how I help them process their feelings, take responsibility for all negativity inside for holding on to anything. And I help them to let go of it, but I show them how to do it because it comes back. It comes back until it's done. And when it's done, you get to a deeper level. You know, life is a journey of growth. How can you continue to grow if you're not letting go of limitations? And that's what we can do. And a relationship helps you in that because it pushes your buttons. If you have sex with somebody in a relationship with someone, it's going to push your buttons. Pushing your buttons means it triggers unresolved issues inside yourself. And by learning how to love, we all really can have a chance to learn how to love at a higher level by taking the recognition that, you know, my wife, Bonnie, well, she'll be upset with me when I'm messy, and then I'll be upset with her when she's telling me I'm messy. So, so I have a resistance to her, but at the same time, I love the neat, beautiful home that she creates. And that's why and she loves that order, and I don't, I'm not so good at it. But then when I embrace my resistance to her and let it go and understand and do my best to find a compromise, I'm embracing the neat part of me as well. So I'm growing. I'm growing and integrating the qualities that I resist in her, the way she would express those, trying to control, demand, and let it go and recognize I can take this step, I can take this step, and I don't have to resist that or feel unloved because she's not always accepting me just as I am. So there's a dance where we, if you're attracted to somebody, you will have a chance to grow as opposed to being an island, you can still grow. I'm, I'm just saying there's a higher level that we can get through. You know, I'm a very spiritual person. I've studied in Qigong in China for many years and in India for many, many years. And I've learned about all these different traditions. I'm a Christian. Uh, you know, I have all this stuff going on inside of me. And you'll see in these ancient traditions, thousands of years old, they always look at the gods having sex, you know. <laughs> They're these Tibetan tankas of the ecstasy of, of the union of the masculine and feminine. And that we can achieve through relationship. You also can achieve it on your own if you're really, really good at processing your emotions, bringing up emotions. But still, there's nothing like your partner triggering you and having someone to love you through that journey. That's the gift. And that's what happens with orgasmic sex is you clear the way to go to higher and higher levels of that. So those are some thoughts on that subject. Anything helpful? So it's so funny. When I was at school at USC, I actually won a, a scholarship from the gender studies program. I wasn't in the gender studies program, but it was because I wrote a paper about the Salpetriere and Charcot and on female hysteria in the 1800s. Oh, really? Oh, tell me more. Yeah. So I wrote about it, about how I thought it was a suppression and a like basically a control of women at the Salpetriere, but it was presented as a, a scientific advance and like we're liberating women because we're exploring this. But I argued that it was actually suppressing and controlling women. And then my, <laughs> I said that the anecdote to that today was that Lady Gaga sort of, she like embraced, because Gaga means like hysterical, basically. Like it means like nonsense. So it's like she was embracing this idea of the hysterical woman, but owning it and taking back, I guess, not being controlled by by men. 
So (laughs) I've always been so fascinated by the evolution of women's role in society and power dynamics and sexuality. So it's so exciting to hear you touch on all this. Yeah, it's very, very fun subject to look at. Interesting that I brought that up today because I I don't normally talk about the hysteria thing. But see, Freud was talking about hysteria and he was talking about in terms of overreactivity. And the women historically, which you mentioned, that had more of that were the ones who men and the culture suppressed women's male size. So if you're a princess, for example, you're not allowed to pick out your outfits. Somebody combs your hair. Uh, you, know, you see these British movies of, of what royalty was like. But if you go to China, they wore these really thin dresses and they would bundle their toes, their feet. And that was a symbol that you're not a working woman. So you were a high class woman. And so they would have all these things that suppressed their masculinity, and that made them appear way more arousing to men. Because the reality is masculinity wants to put out the fire. And if a woman can't do something for herself, a man wants to jump in there and do that and get the smile on her face. Okay, so that's that's sort of this male-female dynamic. But that was cramping the uh, the freedom of women to find their authentic self, which is both feminine and masculine. But now we have a phenomena where our culture, as well as our education, pushes women, tends to push women to their male side and minimizes and and their feminine side. Because the feminine side, if if you're purely on your masculine side, you are a logical being. That's all you are. Okay. Now I'm, you know, a, we're all a balance of both, right? But Logic is producing testosterone. It's detached. Let me step back from this. Let me be logical about this. There's never, ever, if you're logical, a reason to be emotional. <laughs> logic will kill any emotion. If I'm afraid, well, that hasn't yet ha- that hasn't yet happened. Well, there's nothing I can do about it now. If there's nothing I can do about it, and that generates fear, it's already happened. So there's no. I can't change the past. It hasn't happened yet. So I can focus on right now. It's no big deal. This is what this is what our male side does. It, it's a rationalization. It rationalizes, and rationalization is an excellent stress-reducing tool. It produces testosterone, but then you have to have the feminine side of you come up to balance it out. Otherwise, if you're just rationalizing everything away, then you never have feeling. You never have emotion, and you never have joy. You never have happiness. You know, as a monk for nine years. Uh, never unhappy as a monk. If there was stress in my body, it was all because of my practice and I would let it go through another practice. So there's never any blame. There's always a thousand percent responsibility. But the joy that I felt when I got married was multiplied a thousand fold because now through sex and intimacy, I could be on my male logical side, validating my wife's emotional side. And so what I'm proposing here, and, and people don't realize this yet, is that if a woman can make her money, if a woman can be safe, not depend on man for those things, what do you depend on a man for? And that's kind of the big question we're looking at. And that takes you to this level, higher level, multi-orgasmic, where you can surrender to another being. You can be completely naked mentally, emotionally, and physically. Now, what an experience, you know, a, a brief look of that is sort of the definition of friendship which is, I love this definition of friendship, somebody told me. Having someone who's delighted in your presence with no intention to change you in any way. Isn't that beautiful? That's so loving. That's, that's acceptance. And the reason we call that a friendship rather than a marriage is because it's so easy 
to not have an investment in changing somebody to like them, which is a form of love, because you don't depend on them for anything, okay? <laughs> or you depend on them for what they already you know they can do and you're not asking for more. So there's no sense of wanting to change. And that's kind of like describes my parents' relationship and tr more traditional successful relationships. The romance went away, but that there was no need to change your partner because society had already defined a man's role and a woman's role. And the definition of a man's role was something to provide for the woman. And if he had a job, for example, and women wouldn't marry a man unless he fulfilled her basic needs that she felt at that time, which were the lower needs for survival and for security and for belonging. You know, Maslow talked about our deeper needs. Now, suddenly we rise to a higher level as you fulfill the lower needs, the next level up is to achieve. So we all want to become more independent. So that naturally thing is to be more independent. We go to our male side, but then the next level up, according to Maslow, is the good description, is intimacy. And that's what a relationship is about, is to now, through another person, sharing yourself with another person, be seen at the most deep, vulnerable level of, your, of who you are. And also in men, when they have sex, they're also being seen at the deepest vulnerable level. He's taking a risk to, to commit himself to you, to depend on you, to depend on your love, that he doesn't really depend on the world for that so much, but he, he depends on you. So the, the kind of the neurosis that we all have, it just shows up differently in men or women, is the neurosis is that we, we open our hearts to depend on our partners for love because it feels so good to be seen and to be adored, to be appreciated, to be praised, to be admired, to be respected, to be, you know, be accepted. That feels so good. You, I can go out in the world and you can, you can put on a uniform, you can, you know, put on an outfit and you can be loved for that, but you, people aren't really experiencing you fully. So when you can, you know, strip down and someone still loves you and embraces you, that is just a, I want to say cat's meow. That is a child. That's a childlike part of us that just drinks up love and makes us feel fantastic. The problem with that is then we, it feels so good, we become addicted to that. And once we're addicted to that, it's our partner's job to make us feel that way. But our partners can only make us feel that way if we already can make ourselves feel happy and fulfilled. So that's the, that's the dance. And, and so the higher level relationship has a basic philosophy that goes with it, if I put it this way, which is my wife's job is not to make me happy. And my job is not to make her happy. We learn to do that ourselves. That's why you're independent, happy woman that you are. That is the perfect foundation to now allow a man to make you happier. You see, my job is only to make you happier. It's really easy to make you happier. <laughs> <laughs> you're, not, you're not demanding me to change for you to be happy because you're already happy. And that makes it, you know, it's like a job that you go to and you always get paid. You know, they, it's like going to a business and they don't have any money or going into a restaurant where nobody else is there. <laughs> you, you always get a little nervous when all the other restaurants are full and this one's empty. You think, what's wrong with this one? But, you know, there's a, there's a dance of when you're happy and fulfilled and then you also feel the need to have more. And a man can fulfill that. And the, but you have to know what is, the, what is it that you're looking for? Well, one is you're looking for a, building a relationship where you can be orgasmic, where you can actually get naked with somebody. Because if you're in the work world, you can't just share everything about what's going on inside of you. And then you have what Freud would talk about is the healing part of us, which is the overreactive part of us. 
we all have a crazy part of us and we all have a very logical side of us and, and crazy. What I mean by that is not logical and that would be emotional. And what the phenomenon of emotions is such that all you have to do to heal an emotion is have somebody feel what you feel and it's gone. All negativity is about not having what you want. And what we want at the deepest level is connection and that connection and a, a positive connection. So when somebody is actually connecting with your emotions and feeling your emotions, it will release them. It feels good to do. The problem between men and women is if you're, if you're looking to your partner to make you happier, I mean, to make you happy, you'll, you'll share your emotions as a way of getting them to change. When you're already happy and your negativity comes up, then you can share those emotions with your partner, not so they'll change, so that you'll change and feel better because somebody can hear you and validate what you feel. So this is a whole journey of, for the more enlightened woman, which you are, you know, you're independent, you're happy, you're fulfilled. So what am I missing out on? What I'm saying is to be naked in front of someone and see yourself at a deeper level and, and, and go to a deeper level, and a deeper level. And that's what's interesting is that without someone seeing you, it's hard to go to a deeper level. I won't say it's not possible because, you know, I, there could be other ways to do this and, and I just don't know of them. I do know that if, if you suddenly, if you're not used to like getting naked, I mean, some people physically <laughs> like to go around getting naked, <laughs> okay, but most people don't, and, you know, go to the workplace and start taking off your clothes, you usually will feel embarrassed. It feels some shame, basically, and that shame gives rise to some embarrassment. And, but if you look at a person's face when they're embarrassed, there's a, they blush. And what is that blush? but it's increased blood flow to the prefrontal cortex of the brain. Increased blood flow to the prefrontal cortex of the brain rather than to the primitive part of the brain where all of our conditioning comes from. The only way we can change conditioning and become better and better and better is through the prefrontal cortex of our brain. It's able to reflect and see ourselves and with the wisdom of knowing I can do better, I can be better. But seeing ourselves with love and wanting to be better, not seeing ourselves with you're not good enough, you should be better. That's the... The, another missed insight, a missing understanding in our society. There's so many very successful people who say that, well, if my parents hadn't been really strict and they hadn't punished me a lot, I would have never been the man I am today. And I go, actually, you don't know what you would have been. <laughs> you actually could have been the same man you are today in terms of success, but you probably not have three divorces. You could be more loving and more empathetic and more understanding. Because punishment is old-fashioned. It's really monkey consciousness. You know, you step on my foot, I have to step on your foot, or I can't sleep at night. You know, that's revenge. And what I was talking about earlier is kind of a the recognition of what revenge is, is really, I want you to feel what I feel. And that's what compassion is. That's what empathy is. And there's another level to that, which is, if, if you're blaming me, look at how you, you have also done the same to me, but in a different way. That's why we have to recognize there'll always be differences between men and women. If you even look at the anatomy of an argument between men and women, this is a minute from Mars, brilliant chapter. I love it. <laughs> and nobody's ever, ever given any resistance to it. it. It seems like such an extreme thing to say, but I say it with confidence because I see it in every session or almost every session, which is the anatomy of an argument is a woman is unhappy and a man is now going to tell her why she doesn't need to be unhappy. That's called solving, invalidating, <laughs> correcting, or whatever it is. And she's unhappy. She wants him to change. He then wants her to change from feeling negative to feeling positive. Hey, love me. Don't, don't, don't get upset with me, basically. So his motivation is I want to feel loved. 
her motivation. And the only way I can feel loved is if you let go of, which means you change back to the woman I married. And she's over there going, but you're the one who changed. That's why I'm upset. So she's upset. He then tries to fix it. And he's expecting her to go, oh, what a good idea. I didn't realize that. I have no reason to be upset. <laughs> but that makes her more upset because that will push down her estrogen to just solve the problem. Solving problems produces male hormones, makes men feel good. It can throw women further out of balance, particularly at a time where she's wanting to share what's inside of her. So we men have to learn the art of listening and women have to learn the art of sharing. Now, certainly be great when women can actually listen to men, but women who actually can listen to men are the ones who are like codependent and they end up building all this resentment and over and over and over because they don't listen to themselves. So, so the first step in this creation of a new kind of relationship is where men learn how to stay masculine and not get upset when women are upset. Oh my God, if you could just imagine him. Uh, I forget that one artist, who, she wrote a very big selling song about, again, I can't remember right now, other people's thoughts, but I met her in a conference, but she was, a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a witch, I'm a devil, I'm a woman, I'm a lover, I'm a mother, I'm a, you know that song where she talks about all her hats? You know, women wear all these different hats and they're not all like positive, you know, she can be all over the place and I need a man who can handle that. Well, okay, you do. And what he needs is a woman, <laughs> he needs to find the part of it that can handle that, but he needs a woman who can also be responsible to let go of that negativity through sharing with him. And that's the art. And it's hard to keep talking about this without being able to demonstrate it. But it's a new phenomenon. I call it Venus talk, where on a regular basis in a relationship, you basically become naked mentally and emotionally. And that means you, you don't edit yourself and you, you check yourself whenever you're compromising your truth in order to please the other person. And then you're being more authentic. Learn how to be authentic, but do it in a way that works. For example, let's say uh, you have a, a point of view and you express it and the man says, oh, well, that's not what I think. And then he says what he thinks and you get mad at him. Well, you shouldn't think that. <laughs> or he's with, you're with a man and you're expressing your point of view and he goes, oh, I think that's terrible. And, and you go, well, why do you think that? And you actually get him a chance to explain his thought and listen to that and say to him, well, that makes sense. I can see your point of view. I just have a different perspective on it. So you learn how to communicate. And we all have to learn this, how to hear another person's point of view without getting upset with them. But then there's a dance to doing this that works because when a woman has emotions, that means men stop talking, start listening. Hi friends, an incredible fasting aid is coffee. Yes, I am all about the coffee. I am a huge fan of its health benefits as well as how it can support your fast and really help with energy and fat burning. And I have a big announcement. The brand of coffee that I have been drinking for an entire decade now, I am no longer drinking. There's some drama, there's some science, and I'm about to tell you how to get a discount on my new favorite coffee. So I've been drinking the coffee formerly known as Dave Asprey's Bulletproof Coffee for literally a decade. I do not drink it now, so this is not a Bulletproof Coffee commercial, but I started drinking it because I so trusted Dave and his obsession in creating mold-free coffee because moldy coffee beans is a huge problem and a lot of people can get health issues, brain fog, and crash after coffee because of the mold contamination. 
contamination. David's been talking about this for so long, so I really trusted him and I would drink Bulletproof coffee, which I absolutely loved and loved that it was mold-free. Then there was some drama. Dave sort of got kicked out of Bulletproof. He might be going back. There's a lot of stuff going on with that. Follow him on Instagram if you want to learn more about that. He even talked about it at the recent biohacking conference. But in any case, <laughs> drama aside, he can no longer speak to Bulletproof coffee as to whether or not it is mold-free. And he ended up making a coffee even better than Bulletproof coffee. And it is called Danger Coffee. And friends, I love it. It's the first coffee that is not only mold-free, but actually can help you remineralize. Yep, that's right. Danger Coffee contains a patent-pending formula that actually remineralizes your body with more than 50 trace minerals, nutrients, and electrolytes. On top of that, it is super clean. I know people like to see organic labels. Friends, I have learned so much about the certification industry. And honestly, the best of the best is finding people that you trust who do extensive testing and third-party certification. That's what I do with my Avalon X supplements. And that's what Dave does with Danger Coffee. So with Danger Coffee, they use a process that far exceeds government and industry standards. And it is third-party lab tested. So you can rest assured it is free of mold toxins. As for the flavor, Dave selected these hand-picked farm direct beans for their quality, their superb flavor, and their elevated performance. I love the taste of it. It's much richer and more nuanced than Bulletproof Coffee. It's honestly one of the best coffees I've ever tasted, and it's so exciting to know that when I'm drinking it, I'm actually helping to remineralize my body. So that's right. If you want your coffee to contain antioxidants, anti-inflammatories, micronutrients, and help optimize your fasting, you want Danger Coffee. And of course, I have a discount for you guys. You can go to melanieavalon.com slash dangercoffee and use the coupon code melanieavalon to get 10% off. Again, that is melanieavalon.com slash dangercoffee with the coupon code melanieavalon for 10% off. This is my favorite coffee. Like I said, it takes some really good coffee and convincing biohacking health reasons to break me from my 10-year decade bulletproof coffee habit but sometimes you just got to upgrade. And by the way, this would make epic presents for people. This can just become your go-to present. Not only will people love it, but you'll be helping their health as well. Everybody wins. MelanieAvalon.com slash Danger Coffee with the coupon code Danger Coffee. And women have to practice when they're upset to not make rhetorical questions because a man hears a question, he gives an answer. (laughs) How could you do that if you love me? Honey, don't you know I've done this and this for you and I do this? you you expect me to do all this you know, there's always an argument there which she's trying to change him and he'll try to change her back so we have to recognize that when women are unhappy and they're or whenever they feel i have to change my partner to be to be happy that's a losing strategy to be happy i have the ability to be happy does a child need anybody else to be happy well well they do they need they need love and support but as adults we can give ourselves that love and support see we know the world's we have a rational brain. So using your male side, you can listen to your female side, which is this childlike part of you and hear it with an umbrella over you, or, you know, it's like having a jacket over you when it's cold to keep you warm. It's the, the, the parent inside of us, this is some people's form of therapy is called reparenting, is you hear what's inside of you as if you're a parent listening to it and validating the feelings and getting all the feelings out. Now it doesn't always work for people because they don't understand they don't really have a higher level of gender intelligence. Whenever somebody's upset, there's many layers of the emotion that have to be explored and felt before the the stress charge will go away. 
For example, if you're angry, well, you'll stay angry forever. It will go away if somebody obeys you. That's the, that's the monkey part of us. Uh, I'll tell you a joke. You know, I've always just teaching what I'm learning. And long before I married my wife, Bonnie, uh, I was married to another woman. Or, and, but during the dating process, you know, she'd do things that upset me. And I would just stop talking. I would shut down like many men do. And, and I'd go sit in the bathtub. <laughs> and my cave. I didn't know it was a cave at the time. But I'd go sit in the bathtub. And then she'd come in crying and she'd have a notebook with her and say, tell me what I did wrong. <laughs> kneeling before me, because you know, the bathtub, you, have to, you can't be standing up. So she's kneeling there in a kneeling position. She's got her notebook. Tell me what I did wrong. And after I said a few things she did wrong and she's actively writing it down, oh, I was so happy. <laughs> All my stress went away. That's the history of men and women. That's a primitive form of re- conflict resolution is just yield. And what's interesting is men instinctively understand this in another way, which is two men fighting. One of the men has to say, okay, I yield. And that's good enough. You know, you're right. I'm wrong. You're better on us. That's, that, that will solve that argument. And now there's a pecking order. But for, but for women, their life was in danger when a man was angry because he'd lose control. You know, this is, he has an aggressive part of her when, when he's really feeling out of control and his estrogen levels are soaring. That means he's angry. That means his testosterone used to be high. Now it's shrunk now going down that's when men get really really angry and they lose control they're like animals a beast he's a beast and at that time when he's a beast he because it's the the beast part of him doesn't have any logic doesn't have any understanding of another person's point of view it's not thinking of consequences of what he's doing it's not realizing this is not all the time he just reacts so when he's a beast he just reacts kind of like a you know there was those tigers in las vegas with those famous magicians and those, he'd been with, he fed those tigers. He was a parent to those tigers. It was a gay couple. He loved those tigers, okay? They were just uh, a part of the family. But somehow the tiger got spooked in one of the shows and hit a fight or flight response in that animal, and it mauled him, okay? It just has, suddenly there's no reality other than an instinctive reaction to danger. And so his, he almost died. He eventually couldn't work anymore and so forth. It was terrible. But he had such a beautiful relationship with that animal. But a beast is a beast. And when you trigger the beast, there's no logic. There's no control. There's just an instinctive reaction of aggression. And that's inside of every man. And a man has to evolve beyond that. Of course, we all have. We're living in a civilized world. But when his estrogen levels go so high by arguing, being really angry, that will trigger that. So women knew that. And so what they learned is when men are angry, how do you protect yourself? (laughs) How do you survive? And it was basically kneel before him <laughs> and say, what did I do wrong? And I promise not to do it again. But that then suppressed women. It kept them from having a voice. She can't say what she feels. She pushes it all down. I was watching a, a Chinese movie the other day, and it was really funny. When the children are bad or when somebody's bad before the king, they'll just go and they'll go out in the cold and in front of the gate of the castle, and they kneel. They just sit there and kneel. And finally, that that, that actually gives a certain amount of respect to the authority figure and then they will soften but that's the backwards way men when when you have to respect a man to open him up then you're increasing his feminine energy and he becomes a tyrant and see this is respect for men too much overreach respect on a man will make him a tyrant and this is what women have done in the past is they've over respected men and become doormats and then that just feeds tyrant in a man you would think, wow, if I respected him, he would become better. No. If a woman is respected, he will become better. 
Meaning if he learns how to respect her, to honor her, that's why we have this thing called monogamy and, and, and commitment and man providing for the woman. All providing is, is respecting another person's need. And when a woman's need is fulfilled, there's an automatic reaction of appreciation. You see, it's when I do something for you that you feel appreciation. And when you feel appreciation, that raises my testosterone or anybody's testosterone. But for men, that softens their heart. That makes them better people. This is why, you know, tyrants, you know, have to be overthrown through revolutions where people speak up, you know, but it has to be nonviolent. Otherwise, then you become the bad guy. So for women is to learn if you're a doormat, a codependent, you make your man a tyrant. Your, your obedience to him is a poison to him. His obedience to your needs, and not just whatever you want, but what your needs are, will make him a wonderful man, makes him a gentle man, makes him a strong man, makes him a hero. But to do that, you have to be vulnerable so that you can be affected by him. And you're being affected by him in a positive way, rebuilds him. To be affected by him in a negative way, shrinks him down. So what you do is when you do have negative reactions, you have the ability to let them go without changing the outer world. How to let go of negativity without changing the outer world? Well, there's a lot of ways to do that. One is just be realistic, having realistic expectations. You can't expect a guy to be like a girlfriend. A lot of women don't understand. Men and women are different. He's not going to be your girlfriend. He has a certain role in your life. Understand what that is. And right now, his role is no longer to be your major provider. His role is no longer to be protector. You can do that for yourself. So it's kind of like you're well-fed, so you don't feel the need to eat. So you have to find out what is your need, and the need is for intimacy. Once you can accomplish achievement, when you look what I can do, which is now what you've done, is life is not fulfilling. These needs build on each other. And so when we live in a society where everybody can achieve, you can be educated and all that, then suddenly the need for intimacy becomes greater. And intimacy is through revealing, seeing into you deeper and deeper levels. And when you stop opening up to deeper and deeper levels, the passion goes away. And that's what's happening today, why women don't want to get married. They haven't experienced the, the orgasmic pleasure of being getting what I need. There's, you don't feel I need a man. Like you said, you know, it'd be nice to have an eye. So what do you need a man for? Someone, almost like a therapist who'll be there and listen to you and be present for you when you're going through stressful times. You don't need him to solve all your problems because, you know, in the past women couldn't, you know, they didn't have the wherewithal or the training to do a lot of the things necessary to survive in this world, but now you can. So what do you need him for? You need him to come deeper into your feminine side and the things that do it is rom romance is where he prioritizes you and you get to feel he's doing everything for me. That's one form of romance, but a deeper level, and that's often full of fantasy too, but it's, it's, you know, the fantasy of romance is when a man does something that you would love for him to do without having to ask. And even when he, you don't even know what it is you need and he does it for you. It's kind of like you made a comment back in February, something that you're missing in your life. And then Christmas comes along and he remembers that and does that for you. And you go, oh, all that, you know, that, that is just so romantic because it says, I care, I care about you. And, you know, a lot of men won't do that. And so you think he doesn't care about you, but he's over there caring about you thinking, if I just make money, I can buy more things for you. See how that is? <laughs> so caring looks differently, but men have to understand those easy things to demonstrate caring is to see her, to compliment her, to be affectionate with her, plan some dates with her, have a conversation with her. 
a week in advance and say, hey, let's talk about some things we could do next week. See, men don't realize that's very romantic. And so it gives her a chance to express different points of view. And then she can be romantic too. And it's let him know what, you know, what she wants, what she'd like, but just say two or three things, maybe four or five things and say, you pick and surprise me. Then you get to be surprised. You also get to know he cares because he followed through on what you, what you wanted and what you liked. Even if he doesn't like it, it doesn't matter. Never ask a man, what would you like to do? <laughs> That's not where romance, <laughs> romance, healthy romance is when he's going to do what you like to do. And in his, his private time, he does what he likes to do. He doesn't need you to do what he likes to do. He, what he likes to do with you is do things for you and to understand, you know, you've got this gift of masculinity, which is amazing. They're happy to do things for you and they don't experience all this resentment and complaining that women do. Their only complaint is that he does these things and you're not happy, but you can't be happy if you don't first learn how to process your negativity without trying to change him. But you can use him. We don't mind being tools, men. You know, we are tools. Use him to help you process your emotions, which will bring you always back to feeling good. But long before that, you need to first use a therapist or practice one of the techniques I teach where you journal, write out what you feel, to actually experience negativity going away. Like yesterday, a few days ago, I was counseling a person. She just has so much anxiety, anxious, anxious. And I said, okay, always with that's anxiety is excessive fear. Well, you can't be have excessive fear unless you have suppressed anger. So I just said, let's just get angry. Let's practice saying, I hate, I hate, I hate. Now tell me you hate your partner. You hate your life. You hate his parents. You know, you, it, it, you just do that for a while. And, and it's, it just helps balance the awareness of what is really going on inside of you. And it's temporary. It's always, you know, we are loving beings, but hate and anger is in there. And for women, most women, hate and anger are not easy to be accessed inside of them because it's been so dangerous throughout history. So the only way women can express their anger and their hate and life sucks, you know, <laughs> the way they can express that is they have to use their logic to find justifiable reasons why <laughs> they're so angry and upset. So this is when women are expressing their anger. Usually they're really, really rationalizing in the wrong direction. They're rationalizing, right, losing logic in the world to find imaginary reasons to be so upset. And this is a whole culture. We're so overreacting. The government's overreacting, overreach, trying to control everybody, which they want to do, by the way. And But we react. You see, the people are afraid to take off their masks now. This is a very scary thing because smiling is the most important communication that exists on the planet. Smiling. Smiling says to another person, you're safe in my presence. If you don't have a smile, you're not safe in the presence of another person. The absence of the smile is a major stress stimulator. Smiling says that other person has positive feelings in your presence. In the absence of the smile, you don't have a certainty of that. Friends, you guys know I love wine. Do you love wine? I've done a lot of research on wine, and I truly believe there are a myriad of health benefits the longest-lived populations drink wine. The polyphenols have a ton of potential health benefits, activating anti-aging sirtuins, potentially supporting our immunity, maybe even encouraging weight loss. Yep, it's actually not alcohol that makes people gain weight. It's what they eat 
when they drink. But if you want all of the benefits of wine, the type of wine you're drinking is key. Conventional wine in the US is often full of toxins. We're talking things like pesticides, mold, and additives. Dyes, colorizers, artificial flavors. Have you even seen some wine that says vegan? That's because conventional wine isn't even necessarily vegan because of the additives. I am obsessed with a company called Dry Farm Wines. They're not a wine producer, but rather a wine investigator. They go all throughout Europe and they find the wineries practicing organic practices, and then they test those wines to make sure the wines are, wait for it, low alcohol, low sugar, free of toxins, free of mold, and truly supportive of your health. I'm obsessed with Dry Farm Wines. One of the most fun things for me as a wine lover is you get mixed boxes of wine and it introduces you to varietals from all over the world. The wines taste amazing and you can say goodbye to hangovers. If you think you can't drink wine, you've got to try Dry Farm Wines. I am obsessed. You can get a bottle for a penny. Yes, a penny. Just go to dryfarmwines.com slash Melanie Avalon and use the coupon code Melanie Avalon to claim your penny bottle. That's dryfarmwines.com slash Melanie Avalon. All right, now back to the show. That's why many times when men think they're way on their male side being analytical, they'll have no feeling temporarily. So the smile will go away. And that is scary to women. There's some husbands, and this is a good thing for women to know, that the man's facial expression is the same when he's thinking about something, when he's planning to do something, or when he's angry about something. There's no difference in his expression. (laughs) And that's more of a moderate angry and annoyance and whatever. You're kind of like thinking, why is she doing that? You know, and you're not showing the emotion. Some men, when they do get angry, when they have a lot of estrogen, they'll show the emotion and and amplify it through their facial expression. But generally when a man is detaching, it's not necessarily he's angry, but when he is angry, he also will detach. So you don't have any way of knowing it. There's a smile is very, very important. And, and, you know, even in my relationship, I'll just say to my partner, sometimes smile. And, and she'll say to me, you know, would you give me a smile? <laughs> and I can really go, yes, big smile. Cause when it, you should not feel stressed in the presence of your partner. And many women are terrified to show what, to show what's inside. And, and, and that, that shows up on a surface level of women's obsession with their bodies they always feel it's not love, not lovable, not good enough, should be better, should be better. And, and so there's a fear that someone was going to judge them. I have an affirmation for this Christmas. I always like to create some affirmations to sort of ponder. And a new one for me is I allow others to love me unconditionally. I allow others to love me unconditionally. Because if you're allowing someone to love you unconditionally, it means you can be yourself completely. When, when I have to become somebody else to be lovable to you, then I'm not allowing you to love me unconditionally. I'm I'm allowing you to love me conditionally based upon, look what I can do, look how much I can give you, look what I can wear. But just to allow someone to love you unconditionally, it's so relaxing to remind ourselves that we are safe. People love us. We don't have to be perfect. We do our best and that's good enough. But when we're caught up in our stress, for women primarily, it's about, and we haven't talked about what men need to do, but it's learning how to come back to their, their female side, which in the beginning is to explore negativity. And then always, as important as it is to look at the levels of negativity, anger, sadness, fear, and regret, sorrow, or guilt, one or the other, it, to look at all four. Then look at, okay, what is it you really want? What do you wish? Come back to your positive motivation in life. Then focus on the now and what I'm grateful for. 
what I'm happy about, what I'm excited about, and what I'm proud of. See, those are really intrinsic, positive emotions to have. You see, guilt is the opposite of feeling proud about yourself. And fear, you're pushing away. Excitement is moving towards. Happiness is letting go of your sadness. And gratitude, let's go of anger. So you first feel those negative emotions which are blocked. All you do is feel them, go through them, understand them a bit, why you feel that way. And keep in mind, they're all irrational overreactions. And then come back to the truth of, look what is good in my life. And that's really something that women are very good at once they learn to do it. Because women have the ability, when they're not under stress, when they're not having a stress reaction, to see imperfection and see the goodness in it. See, women actually don't demand, the female part of us doesn't demand perfection. What it does is it balances imperfection with perfection. Balances, well, he doesn't do this, but he does do that. Well, he's not really that, but look what he is. And so there's a balance there. And I, I got that really clear one time when I was hugging my wife. We're learning about the power of hugs because hugs create oxytocin that raises estrogen, helps calm women, helps open their heart again, non-sexual hugs. And, and I was hugging my wife because she was a little distant and cold, something I did annoy her, bother her. And I just went and gave her this hug. And I made it like a 10-second hug. And at the end, because it took about six seconds and then she softened. And then I just kept a little bit more... And then she said, you know, John, that hug was amazing because in the beginning, my mind was filled with all the bad things you do. You forgot to do this. You made a mess there. Your clothes, you dropped food on the floor. <laughs> you know, the woman's brain goes busy, busy, busy on negativity. And then she said, and then suddenly I started remembering all the good things you do for me. And the stress went away. So focus on the negative. No problem. Just don't go tell your partner that. And then come back to the positive and then demonstrate the positive by having a smile. Wow. <laughs> Well, I, I've had just so many epiphanies about myself. So now I now I understand why I so value my therapist. I mean, I sort of knew, but now I have a whole nother understanding of that. I'm lucky because I am like an independent woman and all of that, but I still get to express myself. Like I'm not in a male-dominated workplace where I have that suppression. I still get to feel very like feminine. So maybe that helps with my balance. That's just all so, so fascinating. A quick question for the men's side of things. This is one I wanted to ask you after our last conversation. And it, just because I think my audience will appreciate it in general, being a biohacking audience and all of that stuff. Do you think there's a connection between ejaculation for men and longevity? Oh my God. It's a big, huge topic. I thought mainly talking to women. I forgot this was biohackers. Okay. Give me just a couple of minutes. The ultimate biohack Okay, my test, you know, I've talked about how testosterone levels tend to be at a higher level when a man is, is not stressed. When a man is stressed, they go down. Okay, that's all there is to it. All depressed men, all anxious men, all irritable men, all angry men, at that time, their testosterone's low. And when you do something to raise it up, then you can, your estrogen levels will stop dominating. You'll stop being so overly emotional. Okay, so that's, a, that's what we talked about in the first talk. So now we look at what ejaculation does. And ejaculation just means that you were too greedy and you wanted more and more pleasure and your body couldn't handle the energy. And so it short circuits. And basically what happens is your estrogen levels, because you love it so much, loving something, enjoying something, pleasure is estrogen stimulating. So when you get greedy and you want more, then you get this huge surge of estrogen, which then knocks down your testosterone. And your testosterone goes back down to what we'll call baseline. And this is measurable. So, and, and, you know, we talk about masturbation, ejaculation, go online, you know, the, the, there's all these studies saying that, oh, when you have sex and you're a guy or you imagine you, and you masturbate, 
it doesn't lower your testosterone. It does. And I'll give you the evidence of it. And that is when you have sex, you go back to your baseline. And the research was done is the Japanese did a study, two big studies showing a large portion of men that if they ejaculate on Saturday night and sex, the next day their testosterone goes back to their baseline, their normal testosterone levels, maybe a little lower, but the research, other research says back to baseline. So we'll go with that. But what they found is that for six days, you'll stay around baseline. On the seventh day, if you haven't ejaculated, your testosterone levels increase 50%. My testosterone levels at 70 years old are 50% higher all the time. And that's because I've learned how to have sex, the ultimate biohack, in my opinion. I used to take all these supplements for biohacking everything. I really do anything now because I've mastered, thank God, it took me a long time to figure out how to do this, our addiction to ejaculating. Once you master your addiction to ejaculation, you now can have sex in a certain way where you have one orgasm, another orgasm, another orgasm, but you don't ejaculate when you have an orgasm. There's many techniques for doing this. I have my own technique, which hasn't yet been taught evidently, because it's, it's more about detachment and control, and mine's more about balancing my feminine and masculine side. It's never having sex for pleasure, whereas women should have sex for pleasure and love, but the, the man should primarily enjoy the pleasure because it helps him to feel. See, when you experience pleasure, you stop resisting. When you stop resisting, you can feel more. And then the purpose of it is to feel more, to feel my love for my partner and to express that love. And so sex becomes a way for me to feel more so I can feel my love to my partner. So you're going along and at a certain point, your body can't handle more pleasure. That's called the plateau. And your body has to take time to build up its ability to receive more and more and more. Your body surges, that's arousal, then this has all been mapped out. And then there's a plateau and at the end of the plateau, people you know, speed up or do various things to try to make it more intense. To make it more intense is to imply it wasn't good enough before. That's called the plateau. So the plateau is a time where you can feel more love for your partner and express that love. And then what happens is you realize that now you're not going to ejaculate. So then you rise up to another level of excitement and passion. And then when you have to hit that plateau, then you feel, you recognize I'm feeling more love for my partner. I'm making love to them. I'm not just having pleasure. Not to let the desire for pleasure override the need to feel more, more love in your heart. And, and there's a whole dynamic called edging. You just have to stay away from where your body has that ejaculation response. You realize what that ejaculation response is. It's just you got too intense. You need to relax, go down, not be so greedy. And now come back up and then go back down and go back up. And you, each time is like a wave that gets higher and higher and higher. And, and that tell basically you're multi-orgasmic and every thrust is another orgasm for her and you. So you're having this multiple experience together. So that's the ultimate biohack. So you can start by learning to not be addicted to masturbation. So to give up all porn, to give up all porn. And if you don't have a partner to have sex with once a week, that will free you. The first step is just have sex once a week or ejaculate only once a week and, and never with porn. If you don't have a partner to have sex with, if you, and don't use porn, your body will come back, okay? It will say, I want sex, I want sex, and you have an erection, you won't be able to stop it, and that will happen once a week. If it's happening more than that, that's your addiction to sex. That's your, that's your monkey brain inside. We, as human beings, are addicted to sex, and, and, 
And what happens is you can free yourself from ad- addiction. And then what you'll see is your testosterone levels will become higher and higher. Your ability to stay stable, motivated, logical, heartfelt, all the best qualities a marriage has in the beginning, for example, you can have all the time if you regulate the ultimate biohack, which is give up your addiction to, to masturbation without our sex, without giving up sex, but make sex making love. Okay, very important question. Does that apply to women as well? Yes, absolutely. For women, you're basically throwing your life force away to masturbate. Vibrators actually desensitize your clitoris, and they also produce more testosterone, which is why women who had low testosterone, who had anxiety, they masturbate them twice a week, and that would bump their testosterone up, and they'd feel better. Well, you don't need more testosterone, women today. What they need is more estrogen, and estrogen is only when you're yielding to somebody else. Because like with men, and they're ejaculating, they're releasing sperm, but women like the ovaries would be a completely separate cycle. Like, do you think there's the same longevity implications there with women masturbating? What we know is that when women masturbate, what they're doing is they're inhibiting estrogen. And estrogen is usually what women are off on. Most women are not high estrogen. They're most low estrogen. Wow. All right. Well, this has been so, so amazing. You're just such a wealth of knowledge. And again, I could ask you a million more questions. Well, let's do it again. I'm a biohacker and happy to support people. We can go more deeply into sex next time. Well, the last question I always ask, and I asked you last time, but I'll ask it again, especially since it clearly is so important to both of us. It's what is something that you're grateful for? Oh, I'm so grateful that I have a job that pays well and I'm able to help people. I'm also grateful for my children, my family, and all that good stuff too. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, John, and we'll have to schedule another one for the future. This has been amazing. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. For more information, you can check out my book, What Win Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine, as well as my blog, MelanieAvalon.com. Feel free to contact me at podcast at melanieavalon.com. And always remember, you got this.